Chapter Twenty Five of Three People by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five Steps Upward. Can you take another boarder, Grandma? This was the question with which Theodore startled the dear old lady while she and Winnie still lingered with him at the breakfast table. Jim had eaten in haste and hurried away to his daily increasing business but Theodore had seemed lost in thought, and for some little time had occupied himself with trying to balance his spoon on the edge of his cup instead of eating his breakfast. At last he let the spoon pitch into the cup with a decisive click and asked the aforesaid question. Grandma McPherson, looking a little older, it is true, than on the blessed day in which Toad Mall first sought her out, but still having the look of a wonderfully well-preserved old lady, in an immaculate cap frill, a trifle finer than in the days of yore, and a neat black dress, presided still at the head of her table. She dropped her knife at Theodore's question, and gave vent to her old-time exclamation, "'Deary me! What notion has the dear boy got now?' he has an inebriate asylum in view mother and wants to engage you for physician and your daughter for matron this was winnie's grave explanation theodore did not even smile she had unwittingly touched too near the subject of his thoughts don't tease the boy winnie dear said the little gentle mother then she turned her kind interested eyes on him and waited for his explanation the fact is, I want to get Pliny away from home, he said anxiously. You have no idea of the temptations that constantly beset him there. I don't think it is possible for him to sit down to his father's table at any time without being beset by what the poor fellow calls his imps. What a world it is, to be sure, sighed Grandma McPherson, when a boy's worst enemy is his own father well dearie i'm ready to help you fight the old serpent to the very last and so i am sure is winnie what is your plan he thinks of coming into the store he can have poor winter's place for the present at least mr stevens has made him that offer he seems to feel the necessity of doing something if for no other purpose than to use up his time winnie glanced up quickly is that all his splendid collegiate education is going to amount to she asked wonderingly and possibly with a little touch of scorn in her voice a clerk in mr stevens store i thought he was going to study law he has used up his brain power too thoroughly to have any hope of carrying out these plans at least at present said theodore sadly but after all i think we may consider his life not quite a failure if he should become such a man as mr stevens well grandma my plan is that he could room with me and so make you no extra work in that direction and if you could manage the other part i believe it would be a blessed thing for pliny oh we can manage all that nicely can't we winnie dear you are willing to try it i know oh certainly mother anything to be on the popular side only i think we might hang out a sign and have the advantage of a little notoriety in the matter there was this alleviating circumstance connected with winnie 
she didn't mean a single one of the sharp and rather unsympathetic things that she said and those that met her daily had come to understand this and interpret her accordingly so theodore arose from the table greatly relieved in mind and not a little gratified that daughter as well as mother was willing to cooperate with him thus it was that pliny found himself domiciled that very evening in theodore's gem of a room his favorite books piled with theodore's on the table his dressing-case standing beside theodore's on the toilet-table opposite this is jolly he said eagerly surveying with satisfied eye all the neat appointments of the room when at last everything had been arranged in accordance with his fastidious taste i declare i feel as if i had been made over new or was somebody else altogether ready to begin life in decent respectable earnest and then he suddenly dropped into the armchair at his side and buried his face in his hands well now said theodore cheerily that's rather an april change when one considers that it is only january my dear fellow what spell has come over you i was reminded of ben i don't know how or why just then except that thoughts of him are constantly coming to haunt and sometimes almost madden me oh mallory that is a past that can never never be undone he spoke in a hollow dreary tone and his slight form enfeebled by disease was quivering with emotion yet what could his friends say how try to administer comfort for such a grief as that he remained entirely silent for a few moments then offered the only consolation that he could bear the past is not yours pliny but in a sense the present and future are let us have it such a future that it can be looked back upon with joy when you and i have become gray-haired men now pliny it is late will you join me in my bible reading since you and i are a family cannot we have family worship pliny arose quickly i will not disturb your meditations he said a little nervously but you know my taste don't run in that line he then began a slow monotonous walk up and down the room theodore opened his bible without further entreaty or comment but as pliny watched the grave face he could not fail to notice the disappointed droop of his friend's features and the line of sadness that gathered about his sensitive mouth suddenly pliny came to a standstill and finally went abruptly to theodore's side dear old fellow he said impulsively laying his hand with a familiar almost caressing movement on the arm of the other would it afford you an unparalleled satisfaction if i should settle quietly down there and read in that big book with you theodore looked up with a faint smile and returned steadily the look from those handsome blue eyes as he said more than i can tell you then hang me if i don't do it mind i don't see in what the satisfaction consists but that is not necessary i suppose in order to make my act meritorious now here goes down he dropped into a chair and resolutely took hold of one side of the large handsome bible theodore reveled in bibles he had them of numerous sizes and of great beauty he had not forgotten the time when he had none at all and after that how precious two leaves of the sacred book became to him 
after the reading he linked his arm in pliny's and said in so winning and withal so natural and matter-of-course a tone it will be very pleasant to have a companion to kneel with me i have always felt a desire for one that pliny did not choose to decline so the young man reared in a christian city surrounded by hundreds of christian men and women felt himself personally prayed for for the first time in his life the rest of that winter was a busy one full of many and bewildering cares besides his pressing duties at the store and they daily grew more pressing as the responsibilities of the business were thrown more and more upon him theodore had undertaken to be a constant shield and guard to the constantly tempted young man no one who has not tried it knows or can know how heavy is such a weight daily the sense of it grew upon theodore not for an hour did he dare relax his vigilance he was perfectly overwhelmed with the countless snares that lay in wait everywhere to tempt to ruin not a journey to or from the store not a trip to any part of the city or any errand whatever but was fraught with danger and evening parties and receptions and concerts were absolute terrors to theodore nor was it a light task to arrange his affairs in such a manner as to be always ready for any whim that chanced to possess pliny's brain and when that was arranged it was sometimes equally difficult to discover a pretext for his constant attendance in order that pliny's sensitive blood might not arise in opposition to this surveillance however the plans most carefully and prayerfully formed were not to be lightly resigned and with one new excuse after another and with mr stevens always for his aid theodore managed to get successfully through the winter or if not successfully at least with but few drawbacks and of these oh strange and bitter thought the hastings family were the worst on his visits to his father's house pliny had to go alone mr hastings had been sore opposed to the new arrangements both as regarded business and boarding from the very first and though he could not conquer pliny's determination had managed to make it very uncomfortable for him had chosen also to lay the principal blame of the entire arrangement where indeed it belonged on theodore and glowered on him accordingly so theodore stayed away from the great house altogether and struggled between his desire to keep pliny away from that direst of all temptations and his desire not to interfere with the filial duties which pliny ought to have had even though no such ideas possessed him twice during the winter pliny took from his father's hand the glass of sparkling wine and thereby aroused afresh the demon who was only slumbering within him he came out from the grand mansion disgusted frightened at his broken resolves and yet towering above every other feeling was the awful desire to have more of the poison and what would have been the closing scene of that visit home but for one thing pliny in his sane moments next day shuddered to think the one thing was that theodore first worried and then alarmed at his friend's long stay finally started in search of him and took care that their ride downtown should be in the same car and by coaxings and beguilings and also by force of a stronger will 
enticed him home and petted him tenderly through the fiery headache which the one glass and the tremendous excitement had induced the second visit was the more dangerous and fraught with direr consequences theodore was unexpectedly detained by pressing business and pliny seized upon that unfortunate evening in which to go home and he reeled back to his room at midnight just sense enough left to find his way home with the aid of a policeman theodore sat up during the rest of that long weary night and bathed the throbbing temples and soothed as best he could the crazed brain and groaned in spirit and prayed in almost hopeless agony yet while he prayed his faith arose once more and once more the assurance seemed to come to him that christ had not died for this soul in vain there was one important matter that occurred during the winter over the doors of mr stephen's dry goods establishment had hung for a dozen years the sign stevens and co the co standing for a branch house in chicago it was a glowing april morning in which theodore and pliny both a little belated by the business entanglement of bills and figures that had taken half the night to set straight were rushing along with rapid strides they had left the street car at the corner and the height of their present ambition was to reach the store before the city clock struck again which thing it seemed on the point of doing when suddenly both came to a halt and stared first at the store opposite and then at each other in speechless amazement the familiar sign was gone and in its place there glittered and sparkled in the crisp air and early sunshine a new one stevens mallory and co theodore rubbed his eyes and stared in speechless wonder while pliny gave vent to his emotions in lucid ejaculatory sentences well upon my word and honor as sure as i'm alive if that don't beat me meantime theodore dashed abruptly across the road and entered the store pliny following more leisurely still staring at the magic sign the clerks all bowed and smiled most broadly as the junior partner passed down the store but that gentleman was too excited to notice them closely and hurried into the private office mr stevens came forward on his entrance his face all aglow with smiles and cordially held out his hand mr stevens gasped theodore how what and then utterly overcome sank into one of the office chairs and covered his face with his hands my dear boy said mr stevens with an outward calmness and an inward chuckle what is the matter with you this morning what does it mean sir how came you to how could you lucid questions my boy i stand for one pronoun but who is it you know mr stevens the sign the name as for the sign my dear fellow it announces the name of the firm as heretofore i hope my partner will pardon me for keeping my name first the new name means a great deal to me it has meant a great deal in past days and i mean it shall mean a great deal more in many ways are you answered my friend then followed a long long talk eager and excited on theodore's part earnest and serious on mr stevens's 
the substance of which was that the young clerk had been entered as full partner in the extensive and ever-increasing business or at least was to be so entered as soon as what mr stevens called the trivialities of the law had been attended to you told me a few days ago that you had fully decided to make the mercantile business yours for life and as i thought i could offer you as good advantages as you could find elsewhere i couldn't resist the temptation to give you a bit of a surprise explained mr stevens as theodore still looked bewildered i hope you are not offended at my rudeness this he added gravely but with a little roguish twinkle in his eyes but mr stevens how can it be why i i haven't a cent of money in the world to put in the firm it is utterly unjust to yourself explained theodore in distressed tones i am not so sure of that first statement my boy and now both eyes and face expressed a businesslike gravity i remember if you do not that i am twenty thousand dollars better off to-day than i should have been but for your courage and unparalleled presence of mind moreover you have more funds than you seem to be aware of do you remember a certain ten-dollar bill which you brought to me one midnight well i held that bill in my hand intending to present it to you to assist you in setting up business for yourself but on learning that your intentions were to open a hotel i concluded to await the development of affairs and invest otherwise after i became conversant with your peculiar ideas concerning hotels i discovered that you needed no assistance from me but that ten dollars i invested sacredly for you and a more remarkable ten dollars never came into my hands everything that i have touched through it has turned to gold your bank book is in the left-hand private drawer of my secretary so young man you can investigate the state of your funds whenever you choose and bestow whatever portion of them upon the new firm that your wisdom suggests theodore still remained with his elbow leaning on the table and his face shaded with his hand after a little silence mr stevens came around to him and placed two hands trembling with earnestness on his slightly bowed head and spoke in gentler tones than he had used heretofore above and beyond all these things my dear boy you are the only son i ever had and you have well and faithfully filled a son's place to me may i not do what i will for my own End of chapter twenty five